My scripture this morning is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. If you'd like to follow along, it is found in your pew Bibles on page 14 in the New Testament section. Now when Jesus had heard this, he withdrew from them in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw great crowds, and he had compassion for them, and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the village and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the lo five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces and twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. There are three words that I want you to have embedded in your brain during this entire sermon. And I, and I really, really want them to be stuck there. I want the phrase silence, isolation, and solitude to be completely stuck in your brain throughout this entire sermon. Silence, isolation, and solitude. Now let us begin. The events here in the gospel lesson might make more sense if we consider that there's two events that precede the feeding of the 5,000. First, Jesus returns home after teaching, par teaching the parables. Now, perhaps he shares a meal and, can, and a conversation with his family members. But when he preaches at the local synagogue and offers just a little bit of pastoral care, he meets resistance and rejection so much so that they want to take him outside of town and stone him. Not only that, but he then gets word that his cousin, John, John the Baptist, you might have heard of him, had been executed. And at the news, and perhaps still stinging from rejection, Jesus seeks a solitude place. But not for long. Just when he moors the boat, a crowd already has gathered. And it says his heart was filled with pity for them. So he sets his preferences aside and administers healing and sustenance to them. You see, in this process of ministry, Jesus models and trains his servanthood to his disciples. So let's go back to this three-word thing. When I talk about silence, I, I, I think that there's a lot of times 
that there needs to be time that you spend in silence with prayer. The world's already loud enough. Sometimes in silent prayer, it gives you the opportunity to hear God's voice, even over your own. <laughs> I know that when I talk to teenagers and I talk to them about how is it that we pray, they pray in such a way that, God, if you could take care of this, if you could take care of that. And, and you know, we do the same thing. Let's be honest. As adults, we pray as a grocery list. I need pickles. I need this. I need that. I need this. Can you take care of this, God? It would be great if you could take care of that as well. But at the end of the day, there's something to be said about being with God in silence. Now, Jesus in the Synoptic Gospels does this multiple times. In multiple ways, he seeks out moments of silent meditation. Then there's the aspect of isolation. Where someone goes to isolate themselves from the world... To pray on purpose. There's a difference, you see, between solitude and isolation. Solitude is one of those things that you go and you find the place that makes you happy. And you find yourself in the presence of God in that moment of solitude and you're filled with peace. Some of you, it might be the mountains. For some of you, it might be a creek bed. Some of you, it might be on your back patio with a cup of coffee. But solitude is something that you have to seek and something that we offer. Isolation, you see, is something that you have to get away in order to hear the voice of God. It might be something like, oh, I don't know, locking yourself up in a cabin for three days, writing and praying and hearing what God has put upon your heart. You see, if I'm going to teach it, I have to practice it, right? So for me, it's important that I model a type of behavior that allows you to see that, yes, it's important to get away from the cell phones, away from the televisions, and to isolate yourself in a way that you can only hear the voice of God and not the loud, noisy aspects of our world. But a solitude is a place where we find peace. So let's be honest about this. There's an ironic part of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew juxtaposes two kings and two kingdoms. We have King Herod who presides over a raucous banquet ending in the execution of John. And mind you, it's not for anything that he believed. His death is a mockery. It's, it's done in entertainment value. It's the story where John the Baptist's head is on a platter to make this person happy for the king. There is no aspect of his belief. He is just mindlessly murder. Not even as an example of. Just treated like garbage. By this one king. And then there's this other side of this. Where King Jesus, if you will, provides a meal for his subjects. Regardless of when this happens, Matthew's arrangement is Jesus' withdrawal is designed to coincide directly with the announcement of John's death. It's on purpose in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus' ministry is always described as pastoral, and we know that the actual historical version of Jesus 
The reason that makes him so different than everyone else in history is, is that he was a healer as well as a pastor. And he ministered physically, you see. We hear minister and we think administrate. To him, it was a part of who he was. It was his whole being. Jesus' feeding of the 5,000 is an example of compassion. In the story of the loaves and fish, Jesus' compassion comes out across an act of human response to a group of people who among them have sick ones in need of care. Historically, we hear this phrase, and academically, we hear the overtones of Eucharist, or like communion with breaking of the bread and the feeding of the fish, right? And you also hear this eschatological, I'm giving you a big word today, eschatological, this idea of the end of times in this aspect of where this might be our last meal. We don't know. There's a moment of being with the present Jesus that's important. But listen to this. Regardless of that, in the sacrament of the common life, they we seek to obey Jesus. And what does Jesus tell them to do? You give them something to eat. Now please understand, I know I'm very active in the food pantry. This isn't the type of food that I'm talking about here. This is not the physical aspect of putting food on their plate. This is the food that feeds, that quenches hunger, that quenches thirst. You know what hunger I'm talking about, where the aching pains of your stomach are begging for food and sustenance. I'm talking about the thirst that your mouth is so dry, it feels like you have a whole bag of cotton balls in there, and nothing seems to quench your thirst, not water, nothing. This is what he's talking about. Give them something to eat. This is what he means by food. So what do we do when we hear tragic news? I mean, our world is full of tragic news every five seconds. It's, it's inundating our lives. We've come to the realization that there is sometimes that, that old song, uh, the somewhere over the rainbow, right? We, we want to hear that. I want Judy Carlin to walk into the room and start singing so that I have a moment of just... <sighs> and honestly, I really want to see the yellow brick road, right? What do we do when we hear tragic news? Well, today we hear it all the time. And we struggle with how do we interpret it? How do we discern what's going on in our lives? And at the end of the day, we're coming to the side of this mountain just starving for God's grace and God's love to feel just a moment of compassion. Imagine if you were the disciples. How would you have felt if Jesus had asked you to feed a small town? Notice that it says 5,000 men. Oh, and then there were some women and children. I was telling my Sunday school class this morning that when I was in Palestine and we're at the church of the feeding of the 5,000, that every single Palestinian believes that they were a part of this 5,000, that their ancestors were on the side of this mountain with Jesus. 
I mean, it's, it's this brilliant, beautiful way of looking at life that we are the remnants of the feeding of the 5,000 and we've been entrusted to feed people something to eat. How would you have felt if Jesus had asked you to feed a small town? Recall a moment, just a moment of how God stretched your resources beyond what you could have imagined, beyond anything that you could have ever dreamed, where God said, here, this is your thing, and you're going to do this whether you like it or not, and it stretches you beyond anything that you ever could have imagined. Were you full when it was over? Let's, let's be honest about this, folks. I, I think about this a lot. When you do the things that God has done, when it's finished, right? When the moment has ended, you are overwhelmed with joy. You have baskets of food left over. And you want to give it to more people. And you want to feed more people. And I'm not talking physical food. I'm talking about the energy that God has given to you and then you want to come to a place of solitude where you feel that moment of peace. Some might argue it's what we offer on Sunday mornings. That this becomes a place of solitude. That you go to to feel the peace and presence of God in the midst of the crazy and the loud noises of the world. And yet we find ourselves stretched with how do we become Christians. you think that Jesus sought solitude just because of John the Baptist's execution? you think he sought solitude just because maybe he needed to sort some things out? Maybe he was avoiding the publicity that might lead to his arrest and execution. I mean, you've got thousands of people following you everywhere you go. That's going to turn some eyes. Maybe, maybe just a moment, Jesus was exhausted. We always forget that Jesus was also human. That Jesus needed to grieve. And that Jesus needed to pray. And that Jesus needed to be in silence. And he wanted to be in isolation. But life doesn't always afford us that, right? Even sometimes in the darkest, darkest days of our soul... We are confronted with giving someone something to eat. And we have to put aside our feelings for just a moment and we take care of them. God never said that you wouldn't be fed. Actually, if we were to really look at this scripture, it says not only will you be fed, you will be full and there will be leftovers. Now, Jesus might reclaim his good news mission, and the disciples obviously are not nearly as resourceful or insightful in this. What do you mean? It's like the perfect example of the very first fellowship dinner, by the way. We tend to forget that these people were traveling. They didn't just drop their food and common sense. You know, they, they brought stuff with them because they knew that they were going to be traveling. And if you've ever seen this place... When you're there, it's not like the town is like five minutes away, right? 
they don't have a car. And even if you're in a car, it takes like an hour to get to the next restaurant or grocery store. So it's not like they have all this stuff available. So we, we typically, and I've heard academics use this in, a, in a, an aspect of saying, well, what really happened was. But I love the idea that Jesus starts the meal by blessing the five loaves and the two fish and passes it to the disciples. And then the disciples do the same. And then all of a sudden, everyone is fed. Now, you could look at that as miraculous, or you could look at the miracle that the community fed each other. And that the disciples become the ones that spread the word of God. And that you become the ones that acknowledge that. And then you get to pass the word of God. And it makes it easy when you're feeding a whole town full of people, right? If everyone brought deviled eggs to the meal, Josh might get one. But at the end of the day, we become the food. We become the place that people find solace in their comfort, in their discomfort, in their grief, in their pain. We become the image of Christ for them. And even when we are overwhelmed and our brains are just completely swallowed up by misery and grief, God gives us more than we can handle. So the ultimate question that we ask, have to ask ourselves is how does this scene commanding the disciples to feed the people reflect upon our own congregation's attempt to obey Jesus' command? How are we supposed to do that? I mean, Jesus makes it pretty simple. We have plenty. Give them something to eat. So what's our excuse? Our world has been in isolation. And there's going to be moments that we'll find ourselves in isolation, but are we really ever separate from the love of God? Is there ever any time that we've been separated by the love of God in Christ Jesus? You see, I think the part that we tend to forget over and over and over again is that God gives us an abundance All we have left to do is to accept it and to pass it on. I know there's been multiple moments in my life when I had to find that place of solitude. Not just the isolation, you see. It's that moment where you had all of the things of your world just seem to come crashing down on you. And to find that moment where God is present is extremely hard. I mean, especially in our culture, right? We don't, I mean, taking breaks, that's crazy. Why would we take a break? It's so complicated to find that moment of solitude. You see, it's about how we express our pastoral care for one another in the midst of that solitude. You see, for us, worship becomes that place of solitude. This is where we get our pastoral care. And in this moment, right there, right there in front of us, is where we get fed a sustaining, life-giving resource that no one 
on earth can give. And it's multiplied. And it has multiplied for centuries. Here we are, we come to this place and in this moment, seeking God's presence in the loud, noisy world. And we have to find moments be silent, be isolated, to be in a place of peaceful solitude as we walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, our Savior. We come to this place to be fed. It becomes our responsibility to feed others. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.